Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, church. We're continuing our series uh, in Deuteronomy, and we're going to be uh, in chapter 13, a little bit of the end of chapter 12 today, uh, and most of chapter 13. And the sermon uh, title today is Other Gods. Before we go into our sermon, I'd like us to open up our Bibles. If you have a Bible app or if you have a, an actual Bible book, um, follow along or you can read Yeah, up on the screen there. So we'll be looking at uh, Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 12, 29 to 32, and then chapter 13, verses 1 through 11. The Lord your God will cut off before you the nations you're about to invade and dispossess. But when you have driven them out and settled in their land, and after they have been destroyed before you, be careful not to be ensnared by inquiring about their gods, saying, How do these nations serve their gods? We will do the same. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way, because in worshiping their gods, they do all, kind of, all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. See that you do all I command you. Do not add to it or take away from it. If a prophet, who, uh, if a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder spoken of takes place and the prophet says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them. You must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. It is the Lord your God you must follow and him you must revere. Keep his commandments and, keep his commands and obey him Serve him and hold fast to him. That prophet or dreamer must be put to death for inciting rebellion against the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. That prophet or redeemer tried to turn you away from the way of the Lord, the Lord your God commanded you to follow. You must purge the evil from among you. Verse 6. If your very own brother or your son or daughter, or the wife you love, or your closest friend secretly entices you saying, let us go and worship other gods, gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known, gods of the people around you, whether near or far from one end of the land to the other. Do not yield to them or listen to them. Show them no pity. Do not spare them or shield them. You must certainly put them to death. Your hand must be first in putting them to death and then the hands of all the people. Stone them to death because they tried to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Then all of Israel will hear and be afraid and no one among you will do such an evil thing again. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us your word today. Um, 
from the Old Testament. And as we continue through the book, uh, the book of Deuteronomy, Father, help us to understand some of the things that you're saying here to the Israelites and how that applies to us today uh, as your people. Um, shed light, Lord, on your scripture today as we dissect it, as we take it in, Father, and, and have it become part of who we are in our being. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have you ever encountered someone you thought had superpowers? Probably most of you have encountered, you know, extraordinary athletes, people that can lift tremendous amounts of weight, uh, have skill and quickness. But, you know, I'm talking about encountering someone with supernatural powers. Perhaps on TV you've seen faith healers uh, making people lame to walk and the deaf to hear, the blind to see. Or maybe you've encountered somebody that's close to supernatural powers. So have you ever watched uh, or seen a show by Chris Angel, you know, the guy who levitates uh, on top of the, the Luxor building and uh, hotel in Vegas? Or maybe you've seen David Blaine you know, cough up a frog out of nowhere or, or survive being encased in ice. You know, a few years ago, I had this chance to see David Copperfield when I was in Vegas. And um, we were seated right at the edge of the stage. So we had a table right there. And then we could basically see him sweat uh, as he performed his magic. And um, he made a car disappear right in front of our eyes. I could not believe that. Um, it was amazing. And, you know, my aunt, she swears David Copperfield must be some sort of alien <laughs> with, with superpowers or something. Well, I have a video clip to show you. Uh, it's from a Netflix show, and it's from a series called Magic for Humans. And it's about, uh, the host is uh, a guy named Justin Willman. He's a magi uh, magician, and he basically performs uh, magic tricks on, on uh, unsuspecting victims. So let me set up this clip for you. Basically, all you need to know is Justin is performing a trip that involves all these people. Uh, they're part of, they're in on the whole thing. Basically, like all illusions, it's a setup, right? Um, uh, it's an elaborately planned ruse. So enjoy. It's about almost six minutes. of evidence will make us believe the unbelievable. What would I have to show someone to make them believe the impossible? To find out, I set up an experiment. What's up, everybody? First, I placed it out on Craigslist to recruit some help, and then I told them my plan. You guys can help me convince a dude that he's invisible. <laughs> For real. I chose a few feature players. What's your name? Doug. Doug. Yeah, drink as much of the water as you can, but don't swallow. Kelsey, you'll kind of be right here. Katie, you'll take a picture like this. Mike, you're going to do something really important. No matter what the person does, this audience is going to pretend they cannot see them. Once all the roles were assigned, I put on a little magic show to attract an unsuspecting subject. This is literally like a trick I used to do at kids' birthday parties when I was 12. It wasn't long before we had a taker. 
First, how to convince them that invisibility was real. You guys familiar with the concept of invisibility? Yeah. The water, visible, yes? Yeah. We can see it. We can hear it. But when it becomes invisible, take the bottle, take a sip. It is invisible now, but swish it around and it becomes visible. <laughs> so far, so good. Should we try with people? Yeah. Feeling yeah. it? Oh, yeah. What's your name? Jump. Come on up here, Jonathan. Give it up for Jonathan. Jonathan. Number one, you can take a seat. Jonathan, you feeling it? Yeah. What's your name? Mike. Mike. Give it up for Mike and Jonathan. Now for the real convincer. Oh. We got two men and a blanket. You guys ready to do this? Let's go. Right, here we go. Mike, sit up straight. I'm going to cover you up. Here we go. Don't move. Let's make him invisible on the count of three. One, two, three. And Jonathan is now a believer. You ready? No. Are you ready? <laughs> invisible on the count of three. One, two, see them or hear them. Let me show you what I mean here. With your right hand, I want you to grab this can. I feel you. I feel you. Don't let go. I got it. There we go. Perfect. Perfect. Nice hold on. That's perfect. Jonathan, we can't see you or hear you, but will you just grab the can? Yeah, there we go. There we go. And now for the fun part. Shoot, I'm sorry. This will just take one minute. I'll bring, uh, it's an emergency. Hey, it's Justin, I'm sorry. Are you ready? Yeah. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> Be a trick floor. Jonathan was not the only one who stumbled into my little experiment. Meet Brandon. Grab the can for me. No, I'm, I'm right here. Grab the can. There we go. Perfect. There we go. Yeah, kind of a Stargate thing. Hello? Did not anyone hear me? What the? Hi, where did the guy go? Where's he at? Hi, Here. Uh, no. Mike is not there. Where's Mike? 
Alright, Brandon first. We'll do Brandon first. We'll do Brandon first. Yeah, 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 good, yeah. could not help laughing after watching that. And he has got a, a few more episodes. If you want to check him out, go watch him on Netflix. But you know, my point in showing this show to you is that magicians are going to go to lengths to fool their audience. You know, just ask uh, Rosalind, right? Um, she may not tell you her secrets, but you know, she probably won't deny uh, saying that there is some preparation that takes place. And most of us you know, they have no problem watching, you know, a good magic trick. I mean, the best ones leave you saying, like, how do they do that, right? Most of us will agree that what seemed impossible is just a bunch of smoke and mirrors. But here's my question. Why is it when it comes down to prophecy and predicting our own future that we sort of start entertaining what is told to us. You know, if given a chance that I think most of us would want to know what the future holds, right, for us, um, in areas of finding that special someone, in financial success, you know, our physical health, etc., etc. Like, have you ever had your fortune told by a, a fortune teller or a psychic? Now, personally, I haven't. But if you went to one and they predicted something correctly about your life, wouldn't you want to go back to see them and continue consulting with them? That would be very tempting, wouldn't it? You know, the same very the same thing, the same kind of temptation is is something that Moses was wanting to warn the Israelites uh, in the book of uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 13. And in this chapter, he explains a little bit more about the commandment, uh, commandment number two of the Ten Commandments, right? You shall have no other gods before me. Now you think that this is a pretty straightforward commandment, right? Just worship the Lord your God. Uh, no other gods. But there's a purpose to this. And we read, or as we've read in chapter 12, the end of chapter 12, it's because of the detestable things that happened during the Canaanites, uh, the worship of the Canaanite gods, these human sacrifices that were occurring. And Moses has to spell it out very clearly and give situations that the Israelites perhaps would encounter while in the Promised Land. So remember here, this is a generation of Israelites that that know their parents and grandparents came from this polytheistic nation of uh, Egypt. Moses knows that this is a generation of Israelites that's going to be prone to wander and be tempted by customs and the culture of a foreign land. Why? Well, it's because man's nature is curious. And then also, also the, in addition to that, it's in his nature to try to make sense of things that are unknown to him. What do I mean by that? Well, man needs some guidance 
and direction in the areas he cannot control. I'll say that again. We need guidance and direction in the areas we cannot control. So here's this generation that's naturally curious about learning what's out there. And, but you know what you know, the saying goes, curiosity killed the cat, right? And Moses simply did not want the Israelites to entertain thoughts of worshiping other gods, even if a prophet told them to, even if someone close to you tells you to, or even if a whole town tells you. So if a prophet comes, my next slide, comes to you and performs signs and miracles, and if he does these miraculous things and then points you to worshiping other gods, Moses is saying here, he instructs them to purge that evil from you, from among you. And by purge, God means uh, that person must be put to death. This passage indicates that this may very well be a test that the Lord your God is, is giving you uh, to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, false prophets, determining what a false prophet was was very clear. They could have the abilities to see visions, you know, dream dreams, and, and prophecies could come to pass, but if they were not consistent with what God says about himself, if they're not consistent with how the law describes God, then they were categorized as false prophets. So for example, if a so-called prophet came to you and said, I had a vision to create a hundred foot idol and you must worship it as God, that's an automatic red flag, right? That person should be stoned to death immediately. That, that was just uh, the clearest as day as it could be. But what about for us here in, in 2019? How do we handle a false prophet situation? So the image here I'm showing you is, um, uh, I guess it's a mass suicide uh, picture. And the, the person to the right there is Jim Jones. So he was a false prophet cult leader in the, the 70s that basically told his followers to drink Kool-Aid and you know, for, for whatever reason they, they followed him and they all, they all died. Um, if you want to know more about it, you, you can read it in the, on Google or just Google it, right? But there are false prophets today. There's David Koresh, many have heard about him. There's other ones that have occurred in the recent past. But determining a false prop, just as I said, is basically seeing if they jive with God, uh, with what God says about himself. If what they're saying does not jive, then he's a false prophet. You know, I, I knew someone who shared with me, um, you know, at the uh, age of 10, that they had an elderly psychic man tell them that they had this gift of uh, a psychic ability. And then later on in life, uh, this 90-year-old uh, palm leader held their hand and confirmed that this person had psychic power. Now, 
I don't know about you, but that would be something really scary for me to find out if somebody told me that. And I'll explain a little bit more why later in the message today. But suffice it to say, you're opening up a can of worms that you do not want to open up. Because if you have a supernatural ability or skill and it isn't being used for God's glory, then it's being used for someone else's glory. But what about the Christian, quote unquote, prophet or false prophet? What if you encounter a Christian performing signs and miracles and wonders and claiming to be a prophet? What do you do? Same rules apply. You ask yourself, are they consistent with God, with what God says about himself? And here's the litmus test found for, uh, for you. It's in the epistles of John. We'll look at 1 John 2, and then we'll also look at 1 John 4. 1 John 2 says this, Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. That second passage in 1 John 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone into the world. And this is how we can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. It's pretty cut dry, right? Pretty clear. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even, even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God, and you have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Moving on to the, the second instance. If someone close has come to you and is trying to lure you away from, from God, what should you do? You know, Moses' answer doesn't really change. And he says, you must stone them to death. Now, you know, that's, that's a hard pill to swallow. You know, the whisper of a loved one is hard to refute. And this is a temptation you know, that could be made in secret, rather, you know, in contrast to the public nature of the false prophet. But nevertheless, this sin needs to be punished publicly, so this scripture says, so that the nation of Israel at the time is not tempted to make this same mistake again. So here's the obvious. God takes idolatry very seriously. It doesn't matter who is trying to turn you away from God. You must treat them as criminals, as traitors, as enemies. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus himself further confirms, uh, you know, this sacrifice in following God. Uh, in the book of Matthew, he says, For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father 
or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And that last example there, what if a town, we didn't actually read this um, in our passage today, but this is the end of chapter 13. What if a town uh, has people where they're following other gods? It basically reiterates what you should do. Um, you should basically, if you come across a people like that, the entire town, the people, the livestock, all of them must be burned to the ground and basically given as an offering to the Lord. Again, God takes idolatry very seriously. I move on to next slide. You know, in my studying and preparing for this sermon, um, it was a, it's a, it was around basically Chinese New Year. And you know, the Lord kept placing this question in front of me. And it's this. Should Christians participate in religious festivals of other religions? Should Christians participate in religious festivals of other religions? Here are some commandments from the Bible that we know are black and white. Religious horoscopes, though popular, are a dangerous superstition. The practice of astrology is condemned in the Bible. And the occult use of charts, of ways of worshiping celestial bodies, like the moon, the sun, the stars, these things that are supposed to predict our behavior, that are supposed to predict our business, businesses and how successful we're gonna be, perhaps even our relationships in the future. All of this is strictly forbidden in the Bible. And falling into the, in this category as well is, is geomancer. So I don't know if you know what a geomancer is. It's basically divination that interprets markings on the ground or patterns formed by soil, uh, by tossed hands of soil, rocks or sand. So this is like the equivalent of what Chinese call feng shui, right? Consulting with shaman or doctors or with weird traditional medicine uh, being practiced, they all fall in this category as well. So as Christians, let us be careful not to support in the name of culture any superstitions or practices that are clearly disallowed or even condemned in the word of God. Next slide. So I come from the Filipino culture and it is rich with folklore. Everything from giants smoking tobacco to small grumpy old men, this is what's pictured here, that live in ant hills. And so there are stories of these creatures that, that fill the minds of many Filipino children. Uh, I didn't encounter all this. However, my parents claim they did. So my dad told me this story of passing by an old dwarf um, who lived in this anthill. And so if you pass by, you're supposed to say this phrase, it's tabi tabi po, which means basically, excuse me, because I'm treading past your, 
your property or your area. And um, I think he knew a person that actually took a piss on, on that anthill one time. And supposedly that guy got sick and they had to remedy the whole situation by calling on uh, the local folk healer or, or shaman. So he didn't say tabi tabi po or he disrespected this, this uh, little dwarf here. Like, call it coincidence, call it the supernatural, I, I don't really know, but you can call it dealing with other gods. Because believing in superstitions is believing in other gods. So the Bible does not talk about superstitions or astrologies at great length, but what we do know is that it puts us in a, in, in a negative light. Like many other sins, the problem lies in people trying to get answers about life's questions from a source other than God. I'll read you that again. Like many other sins, the problem lies in people trying to get answers about life's questions from a source other than God. Many people believe that they can know the future by the position of the stars and the planets in the sky. Uh, one source I, source I researched says this, the apparent arrangement of the stars in the sky is a function of the human brain, which tries to find you know, patterns in everything and interprets. So depending upon one's background and society, different shapes or of objects are, uh, different shapes of objects are constellations. And none of these constellations make such a clear picture that they could only be interpreted, uh, you know, only in one way, right? So I, you know, you have you know, that Eastern, for example, zodiac, uh, Chinese zodiac with all the, the animals, right? So this year's the year of the pig and, you know, uh, rooster, dog, what, what have you. And then, you know, in Greek mythology, they have all the, the astrology, um, things like Gemini, Virgo, Capricorn, and all that kind of stuff. Those are different cultures interpreting the stars in their own ways. But the Bible is clear that apart from God's revelation, fortune-telling, mediums, divination, sorcery, all of these are specifically prohibited. Deuteronomy 4, uh, earlier on in, the, in this book, says this, And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping the Lord, uh, and wor uh, sorry, and bowing down to them and worshiping the things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. How many of you have ever bought a uh, cheap knockoff product? <laughs> you know the kind I mean, right? Like an imitation Prada or Louis Vuitton or a, an imitation Lacoste <laughs> shirts, right? You know, I remember um, you know, buying those things. They don't usually last very long. And quality's, you know, you get what you pay for, right? Quality's low. I even remember buying, you know, imitation DVDs at uh, the night market uh, a few years back. And, and it's funny, the quality of these things are so bad. You, you plunk one in and you're watching it and you see 
silhouettes of heads walking, and you could hear coughing and laughing, and you know, basically because they had filmed it in the theater. You know, the moral of the story is you get what you pay for, and buying knockoffs or imitations, you know, you'll save a little money, but don't expect the quality um, of the real thing. You know, in the same way, when you try to find truth outside of God, when you try to find truth in Buddhism, ancestral worship, astrology, superstitions, um, other religions of the world like Islam, you may find some truth, you may, you may find some enlightenment, but mark my words, it will never come even close to the full truth found in the scripture. It'll never come close to the truth found in the God of the Bible. And Jesus claimed this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. Folks, if these are the other gods of our modern world, they have ways of enticing you to follow their way, uh, following their ways, their, their rituals and their traditions. And maybe some of them might make sense to you, right? Maybe you will find predictions that this fortune teller gave you come true. Maybe you will uh, be successful because it's the year of the pig and you're a pig and you'll have financial prosperity and you'll marry the love of your life. And then again, maybe you won't. Brothers and sisters, don't accept half-truths and lies. Nothing out there beats the truth of God's word. Nothing even comes close. So don't give the other gods of this world a foothold into your life. And rather, place your trust in the, in the almighty God. Place your trust in his ways, even in times when you may not fully understand why something is happening in your life. Trust in him even when it goes against our own human logic. For God says this, his thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. And as high as the heavens are in the earth than the earth, so are my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so after reading this passage in Deuteronomy, some questions will likely arise. I want to ask two of them. So if I encounter a false prophet today, if I listen to a relative or a close friend who wants me to worship other gods, um, what do I do? Do I organize a lynch mob, bring this person to the middle of Robson Square and have them executed in downtown Vancouver? Is that what we do? I'm, I'm sure you've maybe wrestled with this kind of passage before, but Here's, here's uh, what I found out. We must realize this. Number one, these laws that were given, uh, the Pentateuch, uh, the Torah, these were civil laws and decrees specific for the nation of Israel. They were not necessarily given to Christians. Second, there were also instructions given to specific people 
for a specific time and era. And if you were to put categories to these laws, you would divide them into moral, civil, and ceremonial law. So the Ten Commandments, they're an example of moral law. And the Israelites, uh, they, these told the Israelites basically how to obey and worship and please God. Old Testament society laws are the civil laws, and they um, are these are the laws that help Israel distinguish itself from other nations. So this type of law would be like, don't eat certain foods, or follow certain uh, clothing rules, rules how to love your neighbor and, and such. There's also sacrificial and ritual cleansing, and these are the ceremonial laws. These are the laws which um, help us how to worship God and atone for sin. But behind all these laws, there's this underlying principle. They all have a moral dimension to them. And Jesus didn't come to throw out these laws. Rather, in, as he says in Matthew uh, chapter 5, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And Jesus basically repeats what Moses says in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. For this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So if you're going to give, if you're going to love the Lord with all your heart and soul and strength, then it means to not entertain any other beliefs or, or forms of religion. If we obey these two commands, we will be fulfilling what uh, Christ requires of us. Friends, God is so serious about us following these commandments to the point of separating ourselves from those that will lead us astray. And in the Old Testament, we know it's, it's met by punishment to those, um, punishment by death to those who would lead people away from God. Second question I wanna ask is, I want us to consider, well, what's, what's the danger if I choose to pursue worshiping other gods? If these gods prove to be real, you know, if they prove they can provide some sort of significance guidance in my life, why not follow them? After all, they predicted that I would lose my job or that I would find a suitable mate and etc. etc. I follow horoscopes, they're half accurate. It's not it's not harmless. It's harmless, right? You know what the reality is this these are other gods. And they're masquerading spirits and spirits who appear as angels of light. Timothy, first Timothy says this, the spirit clearly says that in the later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And when you deal with astrology, superstition, psychics, mediums, they're all dealing with the spirit world. And 10 times out of 10, that's 10 times out of 10, they are mischievous, mischievous, 
evil spirits directing you away from God. You know what? Much like that video clip I showed you earlier, um, those people there, they were trying to trick the victim into thinking that he had invisibility, the supernatural power. These spirits, masquerading spirits, are part of this whole deception to try to trick us into thinking that we don't need God. And that their, God, their guidance is on par with God's or even better. How do you know a spirit or angel is from God, not from Satan? First John 4 says this, this is how you recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And so folks, as I wrap up, I want you to understand that what's at the heart of this second commandment is this. It's knowing, it's God knowing that there are other, that there are, other, uh, there are no other gods that compare to him. They're all cheap imitations of him. And this is the key here. God loves us so much. He cares for us so much that he doesn't want us to be deceived by cheap imitations. All the devil wants to do is hurt, kill, or destroy God's people. Satan doesn't want you to talk with God. He doesn't want you to have any quality time, fellowship time with God, prayer time at all. And the devil will tempt you with cheap imitations of God. And they will never satisfy you completely. I've been listening to uh, a new Chris Tomlin song uh, lately, and it's, Nobody Loves Me Like You Do. And what an awesome truth that is. And it's founded in scripture. The Apostle Paul says and prays this, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You know, God is the real deal. Satan and the other fallen angels are counterfeit and just cheap knockoffs. Friends, learn to distinguish the difference between them and, and be filled by the Holy Spirit of God uh, and his knowledge and his love. Amen. I want to call in our worship team to close us in a song of response. response to what was preached and um, yeah let's spend one minute just to uh, dwell on that <laughs> 